Welcome to the party, pal. Michael Duke's show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Alive around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeshow.com. It is The Michael Duke Show. Well, I figured you knew that by now. Good morning and welcome to the program. Wednesday, Wednesday, it, it Wodensday. It's uh, the middle of the week, downhill slide. You could see... Firearms Friday from here. It looks good. It looks good. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the program, and thanks for coming in and joining us. Every day, Monday through Friday, we try to dive into the issues that matter to you uh, here in the state of Alaska. Uh, Things are uh, of import. Things that you can actually make a difference on uh, as compared to, you know, what we're normally faced with every day the geopolitics and the national politics and things that really we have no, we've got no pull in. We've got nothing to say. And uh, here's where we can make a difference, my friends. Here is where we make a difference. So I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to uh, working with you on this and talking about it and uh, doing it today on the program. We're going to uh, hit some headlines here. We've got just a few before we, uh, before we run the clock out, so to speak. Uh, and then we will be picking things up with congressional candidates, excuse me, uh, for a candidate for U.S. Senate, uh, Kelly Shibaka. She is the GOP's pick for, uh, for U.S. Senate. And she's going to come on board and talk with us this morning about the campaign. Uh, we will talk with her about uh, the SCOTUS confirmations, the uh, you know, how the loss of Don Young may affect things, what her thoughts are on that, the war in Ukraine. And we'll probably talk with her about this new uh, poll that came out from Signal, uh, C-Y-G-N-A-L, Signal, that says that uh, she's got a pretty good shot at winning ranked choice voting, um, which, uh, you know, again, I, with all due respect to Signal and everybody else, I think that this is a, this is a tough race. Uh, you got a lot of name recognition going on here and, um, and, uh, you know, a, a really powerful motivation for a lot of moderates and Democrats to retain, Murka- uh, retain Murkowski over Shibaka. So while I am heartened by the report, uh, I'm also hmm, not as, uh, confident as signal that this is going to happen. And what I really worry about is people will be like, oh, she's in like Flynn then. Don't worry about it. No, 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 no. We still need to fight. We still need to fight. We still need to push. We still need to talk to our neighbors, get people to the polls and do all that kind of stuff. So uh, anyway, we'll be talking with Kelly Shibaka about that uh, here in hour one. Uh, in hour two, <clears throat> we'll be talking with our friend, uh, State Senator Mike 
shower for the shower hour of uh, power. That's uh, that's the word. Uh, um, that's the word we've got right now. Uh, I'm just <clears throat> making sure uh, making sure that the uh, senator is uh, ready, willing, and able. I haven't heard anything different, but you know, you never <clears throat> you never want to know. You never want to say until it's uh, all said and done. So uh, Shabaka and shower today uh, on the program. Coming up tomorrow, uh, I am working on a couple guests. I don't have anything solidified, so I hate to even I hate to even tease it at this point. Although I am considering asking Ben Carpenter to come on um, and talk with us about the uh, <clears throat> the throwdown. Um, I mean, the throwdown going on in the legislature over masks of all things. This is just stupid. Um, <clears throat> people are ready to get back to work. People are ready to get back to work and they're ready for the, you know, they're ready for the, for the, for the government to acknowledge that and just, just get back to it. We all understand COVID's here. We all understand that it's out there. We all take, you know, we accept the risks and we move forward. And, um, and, you know, we just want life to get back to business as usual. And it seems like that there are people that are constantly throwing this stuff back uh, around to us. Uh, I mean, I've worked with people, <clears throat> even in my uh, even in uh, in my own business, where I have certain people that uh, I work with that I love to death, but that are just absolutely petrified that uh, somehow they could get COVID and it would be bad. And and you know, it, look, it's. Here's the thing. It's out there. It's in the world. We're all going to catch it at one point or another. The best thing you can do is, you know, get, you know, do the mitigating factors you can. Make sure you're as healthy as you can. Make sure you take your your vitamins and your supplements and do all that. And don't go around licking doorknobs and, you know, grabbing into a room of people that are all breathing each other's air. And, you know, just do what you need to. But at the same time, we still got to get business done. And that's what's going on right now. So uh, there was a huge dispute on Monday which uh, you probably heard about on the floor of the House. Uh, Speaker Louise Stutes had mandated that everybody, <clears throat> staff and, uh, and, uh, and elected leaders and everything, all had to wear masks. And um, there were a few of the minority that just said uh, no. Yesterday I read, uh, I read David Eastman's comments on it. You know, he was, he was I, you know, ironically in this whole thing, he was one of the first people in the Capitol to ever mask up and 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 attend the meetings in masks, and uh, so I don't think he's afraid of wearing masks. He just basically said, "Look, this it, it just doesn't matter anymore. It's you know this is this is not do, this is." I think it was tantamount to security theater. I think is what he was impugning in his comment, and and I I would certainly agree with that at this point. Uh, this big outbreak that's happening right now in Juno, uh, the ADN was reporting that it's upwards of something like 24 people or something now 24 active cases uh all stems from this big gathering that the uh that uh that that the the what's it called the the sham sham the the damn sham the ram sham whatever it was anyway uh which is normally attended by mostly democrats it's a fundraiser where they're all, you know, they're all cheek to jowl in there without masks and everything else, and now they're like, "Oh no, no, we can't have any more." 
And I, I mean, I have some thought that now, first and foremost, um, what's interesting is that Louise Stutes got into it with uh, Bill with a uh, got into it with Ben Carpenter, um, actually outside of the chambers of the Capitol. Uh, he was sitting at his desk yesterday, apparently ready to conduct business in the chambers and notified that the speaker wanted to talk to him in the hallway. So he went out and met with her in the hall. And then she tried to get him to go into her office where I don't know if she was going to give him a scolding or try and talk rationally to him or whatever. Uh, And he told her, no, I think this conversation needs to happen in public. Now, they didn't get into a shouting match or anything, but basically she told Carpenter that if he didn't uh, put his mask on, she was going to gavel out. And he's quoted as saying, and get this, you got to do what you got to (laughs) do. <laughs> to which she did. She then uh, she then went in and gaveled out, and uh, they've been gaveled out. Uh, you know, they've been gaveled out uh, since Monday, essentially. Now the Republicans are saying basically this is you know yesterday Kevin McCabe I think uh, or maybe it was Monday called in and said you know this is time dilation as uh, you know last year we were talking about using time dilation as a weapon, and now it seems like they're using it um, uh, for a different reason. They want to string things along. Now my question is. Are the Republicans playing into the hands on this? Because here's part of the problem. And I think the um, I think the ADN actually touches on this without even realizing what they're touching on. Here's what the ADN says. The House majority, with 21 of the chamber's 40 seats, has a bare minimum votes to maintain control of the chamber. Having members out sick jeopardizes the caucus's ability to block hostile amendments from the 18-person Republican minority and secure the 21 votes needed to pass the final version of the budget. So <clears throat> with the fact that the majority of the people who are sick of these 20-something um, you know, representatives and staffers who are sick, uh, with the majority of them being Democrats, this puts the, you know, in, in a way I wonder if this put, would put the minority in the catbird seat. You know, you get two or three of the legislators out, and uh, uh, Ivy Sponholtz and... Um, Oh, who was it? I'm sorry. Ivy Sponholtz and uh, Chris Tuck were both uh, noted as being positives. And then Neil Foster went out to get tested and never came back. So we don't know if he's sick or not. But the bottom line is, is that if you get two or three or four people out uh, on the majority side, boy, now would be the time to really start talking about making those amendments because you've got a pretty even chance of getting them across the finish line if you can hold the minority together. So, I mean, while I applaud, you know, uh, Carpenter and, and uh, Eastman and Kirka and all those you know, folks who don't want to wear the masks, I wonder if strategically, if it would have been good to put the masks on and go in there and get these things done while the Democrats are sick. You know what I mean? If they're out, not coming in, not being able to vote, then uh, that would be. But anyway, I applaud those people for standing up for what for their rights and, and basically not. You know, virtue signaling, essentially, because the masks aren't doing anything, right? I mean, they're just at this point, at this point, it just doesn't matter. So if you're sick, you don't come to work. That's the rule around, that's the rule around my office. If you're feeling sick, you're feeling poorly, you don't come to work. We don't make you, you know, jump through the things and give me a 63-page doctor report and and testing, but some people are more are, are scared of it. Here was the thing that caught my attention. Stutz's chief of staff was among those who tested positive, according to Stutz. Uh, and this is in the ADN. And she herself was sick with a terrible cold last week, 
but she said she tested negative at least twice a day, every day. Are you telling me she tested herself twice a day, every day for a week? Wow. I mean, you know, uh, wow. Twice a day, every day for a week, you tested yourself. There's a little bit of paranoia going on at that point. You know, take your vitamin C, take your zinc, take your, you know, whatever. Smear on the horse dewormer if you need it. I don't know. But whatever it is, two tests a day, twice a day, every day for a week. Somebody may be a little paranoid about that. I'm just throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Uh, But anyway, it's going to be very interesting because, again, this very thin minority, um, there is an opportunity here if uh, some of these Democrats do uh, if they if they open up the floor session and they start moving on um, and some of them are out sick, it might give the ability for the Republicans actually to get something done or maybe sway one or two members. All it would take is one or two members of the majority to swing over on a vote to really be able to push it over. So it's interesting, interesting stuff to watch. But uh, that's the big thing going on in the Capitol right now. Fear and virtue signaling. It's security theater at this point. We all know it. We all know it's security theater. Um, all right. Well, I guess well, I guess that that's it. I come I just looked up and I'm right up on the break. So we're gonna take we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be back in just a minute. Kelly Shabaka is gonna be our guest. GOP candidate for Senate. She is the GOP pick for that Senate seat. But of course, we got the jungle primary, and we got the the rank choice voting, and everything else. And oh, what a hot mess! What a hot mess! Kelly Chibaka returns with us here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liter, uh, Wow, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Good morning. I'm going to get coffee right now. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, We are in the break right now. Uh, And uh, good morning to you. I guess I should say first things first. Good morning to you. Um, thank you for coming on board and joining us. Uh, I see I got one line on hold. I don't know why somebody called in because I didn't say the phone lines were open, but let's go over there real quick just to see who it is and, and see what they want. Good morning. Who's this? What do you want? Hi, Mike. Jeff from home. I just turned the radio on. And then when you said she's up next, I don't know. Well, I'm just going to listen. I'm on my phone. So. I didn't realize you had somebody coming on. Okay, well, I got Kelly Chewbacca coming on. If you want, you can hold on and listen on your phone, or if you can listen on the radio, whatever works for you. No, I can turn the radio on. I'm going back to camp here, but I was just going to say, you know, I've noticed people with masks on here, especially since Fauci came on TV and said there's another one coming and all that, and it's like, you know, there's a 
lot of people that aren't wearing masks. And, you know, I think the whole thing is, is everybody just needs to, you do your thing and I'll do mine. And that's what it seems to be around here. Nobody has a big problem with it, you know. You yeah. want to wear your mask? I just tell them, I say, hey, if I meet you again, you come to my house, please put the mask on so I know who you are. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know what you look like with it off. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it's like I said, I ain't crawling under no damn rock. And, and they've proven they don't work, you know. So, um, and I believe these people breathing their own carbon monoxide are getting sicker. That's what I think. Yeah. You know, and if you're out, good old sunshine working and getting out, vitamin D every day like I do, going to the woods, moose on hunting, doing things, seem to be healthy, no colds, no nothing. So, <laughs> you know, I've walked through this thing and had no problems. Right. So, no. You know, look, some people are lucky. Maybe I'm not. Yeah. Some people are, you know, some people are deeply affected by it. Some people are lightly affected by it. You never know, I guess, until you, it's, you know, it's Russian roulette or whatever, but I mean, I'm gonna pays my pay, pays my money, takes my chances. You know what I mean? That's uh, right. That's yeah, how it is. We're gonna do the best and we I know can. And, and a lot of younger people that are scared to hell with this thing, you know, right? Because they're listening to everything on. You know, they're, they're watching heat newses, and I don't even watch the news anymore. And I just kind of go my own way and kind of ignore it all. So, yeah. Um, it, it is what it is. If it kills me, it kills me. If it don't, it don't. I don't know. I'm just tired of listening to it. And, everybody's opinions and I just everybody that I see now I approach them with that same attitude I don't mention the mask if they do I go hey do what you want I don't care all right Jeff I I gotta go thank you for your call my friend I appreciate it hold the line folks I gotta answer this phone call all right Sorry about that. We had uh, we were getting uh, Kelly was calling in on the wrong number, so it's okay. We were just trying to get it squared away, and I think we've got her on the right number now. Look at that, uh, Kelly Shibaka, our guest. Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be on the right number. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, it happens. It's you know when I sh- I shift stuff uh, shift stuff around sometimes, and uh, you know I'm always trying to keep people guessing. It's just it's it's how I keep the FBI from finding me. No, not really. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, good morning. Uh, we are about, uh, 60 seconds out. So if you want to hold the line for me and drink my virtual coffee and eat my virtual donuts in the virtual green room, we'll be right back to you. Sounds great. Thanks. Okay. Hold the line. Kelly Shibaka, our guest is going to be uh, joining us here in a second. Uh, Laura says, dude, blue is your color. Really? I didn't, I, I think I own two things that are blue. You just happen to catch me in one of them. No, I probably own. But thank you. Thank you. I, Facebook censorship has gone off its rocker. It didn't like me mentioning a movie, Hang 'em High with Clint Eastwood. Hang 'em High apparently is a hate crime. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, those algorithms, they've got no sense of humor whatsoever. This is why I hate Facebook. Uh, I, I say as I broadcast live on Facebook, but, you know, just it's like there's no common, not that they could have people watching every video all the time, but. I don't know. It's crazy. Crazy. All right. Let's, uh, well, I guess that's it. We're 10 seconds out. Like and share this show. Like and follow the show page. Subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's do this. The Michael Duke Show.
You ready to do this? Let's dive into it. It's Wednesday. It's bright, bright and early. And we're ready, man. We're fingers, you know, fingers cracking, ready to jump off the dime here and move on to it. Kelly Shabaka is the GOP candidate for U.S. Senate. Yes, she's the one that's been named by the, not the other she who shall not be named. No, no, no. She's the one that's got the nod. And, uh, and she's on board this morning to talk with us about everything that's going on. Uh, for this race for U.S. Senate, and we're gonna we're gonna run the gamut with her here for the next thirty or forty minutes, and uh, just chat with her. Kelly Shibaka uh, joins us uh, right now. Good morning, there. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Michael. I'm good. I'm glad to be with you. Well, as, as always, it's a pleasure to speak with you, and we appreciate uh, we appreciate it uh, um, coming up. Um, so, you know, here's something I I've forgotten to ask you the last few times that I've had you on the program. And this is something that I used to ask a lot, and I've kind of given up in some ways because I would always get an answer, and then it would be, well, you'll you'll understand when I ask the question. Once you're elected to the office of senator for Alaska, would you commit to us to coming on the program once a month, once every six weeks, to sit down with the listeners and explain what's going on down there in uh, in Washington D.C. and spend a little bit of time with us? I mean, more than like a ten minute little soundbite window. Uh, you know, maybe the, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes like we've been doing here so far. Would you commit to doing that for us uh, if you, uh, if and well, I guess when you become the, the senator for Alaska? I'd be happy to come back and talk with the Michael Duke show. Of course, your program is important and it's important to reconnect with Alaskans. One of the things that I think is really critical for our U.S. Senate seat is to use it to demystify government and make sure Alaskans understand what's actually happening in Washington, D.C., and to talk straight about things going on on the Hill. I think we are really tired of what they call the, the misinformation in Washington, D.C., or the lower 48. It's a spectrum of deception. Up here, I think we just call it lies. And right. one of the things I think we can do is get rid of politicians who are lying to us and instead just talk straight. My dad always said, Hey, kid, tell it like it is. They might not like what you see, but they'll always know where you stand. And we call that integrity. Right. And I'm ready for a little bit more talking straight and <laughs> telling it like it is, you know? Yeah. Our infrastructure bill doesn't have infrastructure in it. We're not going to get a single road or new bridge or even a new lane in it. But instead, there's a lot of corporate buyouts for people who are producing green energy and donating these leftist environmentalist groups that are donating huge amounts of money into Murkowski's campaign. That's what this bill is loaded with. So let's talk straight about what's happening in Washington, D.C., and inform people in Alaska what we are and are not getting. Like that bill, for example, is going to cost us net at least $565 million, according to the Congressional Budget Office. Right. So how does that help us up here in Alaska when I just talked to a bunch of people who've lost everything in the last year because of Deb Holland's votes and decisions uh, killing our economy in Alaska. Right. Well, That's the stuff we need to know. Well, and I think it's intentional obfuscation, Kelly. I mean, you look, you worked in the, you know, you worked in the inspector general's office. You've been behind the scenes. You've uncovered some of these things, you know, and I think a lot of times it's intentional inefficiencies it's intentionally obfuscating <laughs> the truth of what's going they don't they want to make it complicated enough so that we must depend on them to you know 
semi demystify it for us so they can they can talk to us the little people and explain it to us and, and that's always part of the problem and one of the reasons why i said i i hesitated to ask the question was because i've had plenty of politicians on here who've said oh yes of course i'd love to talk with you anytime you and you know of course it, it, it always begins well but inevitably you know in year two or year three or year four mm. trying to get somebody onto the program to just explain what's going on in their own words like they used to come on their program before is like you know pulling teeth or dragging people down the street kicking and screaming it's like they don't want to talk to the public <laughs> anymore you know and i'm not saying you'll do that i'm just saying that seems to be the trend and you're right it is the demystification of government that needs to occur we need to be government of the people and by the people and if the people can't understand the the basic law and this is another thing with Damn. all this is another thing with all the the elected leadership in the national level most of them being attorneys is that they make it so complicated and obfuscated that people unless you've got a law degree half the time you can't understand exactly what the law says and i find that offensive personally i michael i couldn't agree more i think it's absolutely wrong and one of the things that i've committed my public service career to is exactly what you just said. Um, you know, when I was in fifth grade, Mrs. Barter asked us to send home a paper of what you wanted to be when you grow up. Mine didn't say a bureaucrat. I'll just be honest. Right. But that's what ended up happening in my life because the job I got when I first started my career was in becoming an anti-swamp bureaucracy whisperer. And I learned how to do exactly what you're saying, making government work for the people. And one of my first cases was stumbling across top-level FBI officials and Department of Justice officials who conspired with internal investigators to cover up them abusing Americans and violating constitutional rights. And this report was going to go out saying, hey, nothing happened here, nothing to look at. And I, I discovered it and exposed it, flipped an officer, found the evidence they tried to hide, and it went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And I realized, you know, if you don't have a tenacious Alaskan in here who's not afraid to, to be threatened and won't be bullied and won't be controlled and won't be silenced, these people will get away with everything. Yeah. And who's going to make government work for the people? And that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to commit my career to public service serving my country and making this happen. Because if you don't have people willing to jump in and make government work, it doesn't work for us. It absolutely works against us. And so I have this deep core principle, and I think most Alaskans do, that this is how it's supposed to work. And that's what I'm committed to. So for me, you know, it's not just lip service. This is, this is why I'm doing it. I've done this for 20 years. This is actually what got me into the race. When I saw Murkowski cast the tie-breaking vote to move Deb Holland's confirmation forward, and she said, I have misgivings about this. I think you're going to break your promises to us, and it's going to hurt Alaskans, but I'm going to do this anyway. I just decided the next person I need to hold accountable is Lisa Murkowski because she just voted away my kids' future. My kids can't stay here and can't grow up here. None of us can. Everything we're living out now in our economy, in our jobs, in our oil and gas industry, in our resource industry— Deb Holland is taking 60 million more acres of hunting from us. She's shutting down our navigable water rights. She killed our Ambler Mining Road. She killed NPRA and Willow and Anwar. And we could just go on and on. Murkowski has voted to confirm more than 90% of Biden's radical nominees this year. She's killing our state. Where are my children going to grow up? I've got five of them at home. 
I loved my job, love my church, love my husband. I'm educating five kids during COVID. My life was good, Michael. I am so committed to this principle you're talking about. If government is against us, then who's fighting for us? Right. Who's watching the watchers? If the watchers are corrupted, who's watching the watchers? And that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Um, You know, it's it's a. it's interesting the way you lay it out there, especially Murkowski. I, I wish, I, for some reason, I deleted the email, but this is back during the Sotomayor confirmation hearings, and I sent a very detailed email to Senator Murkowski at the time that laid out her, especially Sotomayor's problems with the Second Amendment. And uh, and I got back this letter that basically said, well, you know, I agree with you on this and this, and that is definitely troubling, but I believe that the president's prerogative is to nominate who they want, and we need to approve that. And I'm like, no, wait a second. It's it's confirm. You're supposed to approve and you're supposed to vet, approve and confirm. And that's not just we rubber stamp it because the president wants it. I wish I still had the email because it would make perfect fodder. But that's essentially what you said is, well, you know, we believe that the president should have that priority. No, no, no. It's 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 vet and confirm. And, of course, the Democrats have had no problem doing that. We saw what happened with Kavanaugh. Uh, we saw what happened with Coney. We saw, you know, those kind of things going on. Uh, why can't you, and especially even with Deb Holland? Well, I think you're. I think this is a problem. I think you're going to break your promises, but I'm going to vote for you anyway. What? Right. Well, in so many ways, Michael, Murkowski has squandered her seniority. One of the reasons why we put our votes and our money into a senator who's got 20-plus years in the Senate is so they can use that seniority to be a good goalie for us, if you will, Use it for something. If your vote is just there to rubber stamp what the president wants. Now, let me put a parenthesis in here. She sure as hell didn't do that when Trump was president. She opposed Kavanaugh. She filibustered Amy Coney Barrett. Let's remember that. But she's rubber stamping Biden because she's buddies with Biden. But use your seniority to protect us up here in Alaska. It's not really about Trump and it's not really about Biden. It's supposed to be about Alaska. But this is exactly the point that you're talking about. We have no idea how Murkowski is going to vote on this last budget bill that they had less than 24 hours to read, and it's longer than the Bible. There were provisions in there that completely chopped up our Second Amendment rights. Right now, if you get a false flag when you go buy a gun, you get an automatic criminal background check. It doesn't matter if your false flag washes out. You have a, I'm sorry, an automatic criminal investigation. You will be criminally investigated by the federal government right. now. If you get a false Lisa positive. Murkowski voted. Yeah, if you get a yep. false, positive, false on positive on the, on the NICS test, right. Yep. Lisa Murkowski voted for that. Sullivan voted against that. That is an, a, an invasion of our constitutional rights. And another one, um, we now have this extremely radical Supreme Court nominee that Joe Biden has put forward. She bends over backwards consistently to defend child pedophiles that have come before her. She's done this since law school. She's on the record defending child sex predators. And she's, she's got this radical record across the board in everything that she's done. The U.S. Sentencing Commission won't release her records. I think they're afraid about what we'll see. But remember, the only reason she's on deck, Michael, is because Lisa Murkowski was one of the only Republicans who voted to promote her just one year ago to the federal bench. There's a progression for getting to the U.S. Supreme Court. You have to become a federal judge. Murkowski was one of the only people who put this woman up. Now, this woman can't and won't define what a woman is in her in her sentence, in her um, proceedings right now to become uh, in her confirmation proceedings. They've asked her, how do you define a woman? She refuses to define a woman. 
so much of judicial law and rulings come down to how do you define a woman? Think of employment law, family law, the Civil Rights Act. So many of our laws come down to are you a woman? Are you a man? It comes down to gender protection. She refuses to define a woman, but she will absolutely let child sex predators off on as lenient of sentences as possible. Murkowski's already voted to confirm this woman, and now she's saying, I don't know if I'm going to put her on the Supreme Court of the United States. We're going to let this woman be a justice. There will be no justice for women and no justice for children if this nominee becomes confirmed. Yeah. Well, I will say that I'm not a biologist, but I can probably define what a woman is, you know, even though I know that that's part of the problem there. But uh, it's this yeah. it's this kind of stuff that we see, this kind of constant behavior. Uh, but yet when this all came down, remember 2010 and Joe Miller, he won the nomination, yada, yada, yada. We got the runoff. What <laughs> you know, what are that not the runoff, but the write in? I mean, you know, we look at what's coming up and we look at this this total train wreck that is the ranked choice voting. Uh, you know, we've got the jungle primary and then the rank choice and everything else. And there's a lot of Alaskans that still, I mean, I've explained this, you know, several times on the program and people are still kind of scratching their heads. Uh, and even I don't know all the ins and outs I've had experts on and, and this is going to be a hot mess. Now, even saying that, I know I saw the report the other day that signal came out and said that you do very well in that, but what do you think the effect of the new voting systems are going to have on this. And and if you want, let's talk about the signal report here uh, as well. So fortunately, and I'm, I'm excited about this, Breitbart reported this signal poll that came out that says in the ranked choice scenario in November, I currently have a two-point lead over Murkowski and win the general election. I am so excited about this. Thank you, Alaska. <laughs> That's huge because we still have several months to go to increase that lead. It's going to be a tough fight. Of course, taking on the 50-year Murkowski monarchy is a really big uphill battle, but it's been a year of campaigning already, and a lot of that win comes from a mobilized grassroots effort of a team of Alaskans. So thank you, everybody who's listening, who's been part of that team. It's been a big effort. Uh, what ranked choice really means, I think the big uh, impact and effect and risk is people get so frustrated and skeptical about the system that they stay home, Michael. We are, we're going to have voting doubt and voting fatigue. But what we saw last November, just about six months ago, whether it was in Virginia or New Jersey or even in Minneapolis and Seattle, these places that voted for Joe Biden by double digits in 2020, just one year later, because of voter turnout, common sense Americans flipped their votes and said, we are not on board with this leftist regime and agenda. And common sense policies won. They have a Republican governor in Virginia for the first time in over 10 years. They said, we want to support our law enforcement and our military. Parents should be involved in education. Race does not determine your destiny. And policies flipped in all of those places because of voter turnout. Right. And I think that's really the key for ranked choice. Voter turnout. Do not stay at home. We have common sense, courageous Alaskans here who are not on board with the Biden administration. That's really what this election is about. We have a $5,200 on average inflation tax for every home because of Joe Biden. Think about where our gas is. Think about our empty shelves. Think about everything that we're being hit with, people who are out of their jobs. We've had a net loss of something like over 25% of our jobs on the North Slope just in one year since right. Deb Holland has been in office. 
Um, that's what we're actually signaling is what's the future of Alaska. And the future of Alaska is not a bunch of complacent Alaskans sitting at home on their sofas. The future of Alaska is us working together as a team to say, we have something to say about this, and Washington, well, D.C. is going to listen. Well, we're definitely looking at this next election cycle to be a repudiation of the, of the Biden administration and the Biden policies, and really the, the overall leftist turn of the Democrats in all, in all uh, of the chambers of the uh, Congress and in the administration as well. Uh, we're going to continue this discussion with Kelly Shabaka, who is our guest. Kelly4ak.com is her website. That's the number 4ak, Kelly4ak.com. Kelly Chewbacca, GOP candidate for U.S. Senate, continues with us here in just a moment. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Make sure to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you'd like to uh, chat with us there as well. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the commercial break right now. Kelly Shabaka is our guest. Kelly, this is where we let our hair down a little bit. It's just you, me, and 57 of our closest friends on Facebook right now. Uh, so t- so tell me how you really feel. That's what I'm just saying right now. Tell me how you re- um Well, first, the four in the website is spelled out, F-O-R. Oh, well, you go either one. It works. It works because that's, that's what I was looking at right now. I used the first one, and it took me right to your site. So... Yeah, I, oh, I'm glad to know that. Yeah. I learned something from you. Yeah, see, either because I just typed it into my browser and it was like this one, and I'm like, yep, and it took me right to your website. So perfect. It, either F O R or the number four works. Both of them work. So there you go. Um, you know, I I, I got to be honest with you. I I believe that you are the best contender for this race uh, that I've seen in a long, long time. But I have often said that, as you said, and I think you put it, I think you put it succinctly. We are fighting a 40-plus-year dynastic politics situation where the name Murkowski is become synonymous with Alaska, and so she's got the huge name recognition. She panders to the, those who are in the left and the middle. We saw what happened under Joe Miller where the Democratic Party threw their own candidate under the bus and said, oh, no, 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 right in this name. Uh, and everything else. So this is definitely going to be an uphill battle. And as much as I I like what I saw from the signal report, I also get fearful when people say, oh, look, hey, look, she's going to win, that it will be, you, you can't take your eye off the ball. That You cannot grow weary in well-doing. You've got to keep pushing. And as you said, growing that margin. Yes, I think you're absolutely right, and especially when you realize that here in Alaska, we are facing a campaign run by Democrats, a PAC run by Democrats. Lisa's flaunting her endorsements from Democrats. But at the national level, all of her steam and momentum is coming from Mitch McConnell and his National Republican Senate Committee. She's got endorsements and support from Democrats at the national level. She's supported by Big Tech and George Soros. So we're facing a establishment machine. She's got a huge fundraiser being thrown by uh, former President George Bush. So she's got Democrat establishment support. She's got Republican establishment support. And I don't think, for example, here in Alaska, we much like being told by the people of Kentucky who our senator is going to be 
Do you think the people of Kentucky want the people of Alaska mobilized, telling them who their senator is going to be? Right. When you think about what exactly is happening here, the people of Alaska have spoken. The Alaska Republican Party has said Markowski cannot be a Republican, and this is who our candidate is. They've endorsed me. The Alaska grassroots momentum has happened. Murkowski is getting 3% of her money from Alaska. We're getting the majority, the vast majority of my funding is coming from Alaska. We've broken in-state fundraising records. Alaska's already spoken. Really, this shouldn't even be a battle by all accounts. And yet we're having to fight, fight, fight against all of this establishment momentum for Lisa Murkowski. I agree with you. It's going to be a fight to the end. But I also believe don't mess with the Arctic spirit of Alaskans. Do you know what we can do? We build pipelines. We run Iditarods. We build earthquake-proof buildings. All the people tell us, oh, there's no way you can do that. And we continue to defy everybody's expectations. And I think we're probably going to be the world's biggest headline come December. <laughs> That's well, what I think. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope you're right. You know, Like I said, I mean, there's already, we already know what normally happens in midterms anyway. There's already that momentum going on. On top of the fact that this is the, you know one of the most unpopular presidents in history with all the different policies, plus the inflationary factor, plus the pushing of all the green stuff and everything else and the acrimony. And all, I mean, this is set to be kind of an earth-shaking uh, midterm election to begin with. And here you have, again, you as one of the best candidates that has ever come out against uh, Lisa Murkowski. And I think you've got I think you've got the best shot at it. Um, and, uh, well, and I, thank you, Michael. I definitely would like I definitely would like to see. Uh, a sea change down there. Uh, but it is, again, I don't want people to get, I don't want people to see the signal report and go, oh, she's got it in the bag then. We can go back to sleep. No, do not go back to sleep. You've got to be paying no. attention, you know? Well, and I agree. And I don't think two points is in the bag at all. I think two points is um, that's, that's positive momentum that we still have to build upon. You know, if you've got a two point lead at halftime and in game, nobody says, okay, let's take a break. I mean, that's just a good halftime talk, and you, you go out and you play extra hard. And I also would say, let's not be fooled. This race is not about me. And I also don't really think that this race is about Lisa Murkowski. This race fundamentally is about Alaska. Biden has issued 22 direct executive actions against our state in one year. One year. Imagine what's going to happen in the next three years. Right. And if you don't have somebody in there saying, hold up, I'm standing in the way. I, you know, I offer myself this tribute. I'm standing in the way and I'm here to block Biden because I'm not buddies with Biden. Right. I haven't served an office with him for 20 years. And I'm more interested in being popular with the people I party with in D.C. rather than serving the people of Alaska. Imagine what's going to happen to our state as he targets us for his 30 by 30 plan locking up 30% of the United States as national park ground by 2030. We've got <laughs> how many more years left? Just seven and a half? Yeah. Yep. Right, hold it. Imagine what's going to happen to our state by yeah. then. Hold on. Hold the line here, Kelly. Uh, we're going to be right back to you. Kelly Chewbacca is our guest. Uh, we're coming back to the radio. We're about to rejoin. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. Kelly Shabaka is our guest. Uh, we're talking about uh, the upcoming race, what's going on. We've been uh, kind of covering some different things. We talked a little bit about the SCOTUS confirmations. 
Uh, one of the things, obviously, that's been uh, in the news here lately, Kelly, is uh, the loss of Don Young. Uh, and uh, what 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 effect do you think this is going to have um, in the in Congress as a total and as a whole? Um, and what's your thoughts on it? And have you? I mean, you, there's what what thirteen people already who've kind of declared for the race or semi declared for the race. Do you are you picking a, a favorite here, or what are you doing? Let's uh, let's talk about that. So I'm personally super sad about the loss of Don Young. He had a huge impact on my life. He was the first major campaign that I volunteered on, and he helped to really inspire and mobilize me. I went to an extremely liberal high school, and I got to wear my Don Young T-shirt to the school, which resulted in a lot of strong reactions, which helped to make me more conservative. So I got to talk with Don Young several months ago and say, hey, you're a large part of the inspiration about why I'm running for U.S. Senate. And his eyes got really big. He's like, really? And I explained the story. And he said, you know, all of, all of the the visceral reactions I got from liberals about working on your campaign helped to really solidify my convictions as a conservative and helped to kind of shape this path. I worked on that campaign and then worked for Ted Stevens. And, you know, when you start running for Senate, you kind of think, how did this happen and how did I get here? And these these memories really start coming into the forefront of like, oh, wow, this really shaped my path. And that, that campaign experience working for him and the things he let me do uh, really helped to shape this experience. So I'm really sad and I really miss him. And I just got to attend his, his ceremony here at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. And I'll be at the memorial service back at ABT in Alaska this weekend. So I'm really thankful for all of that. The effect on this, you know, I'm actually really upset about this, and I think every Alaskan should be. We know that ranked choice system was put in place by a political operative, Scott Kendall, who worked on Murkowski's writing campaign and worked on her last campaign, and was put in place as an incumbent protection program for Lisa Murkowski because she did not want to go through the party primary process right. that she lost to Joe Miller. Right. And so this has been put in place, and as a result— we are going to be without somebody's replacement for Don Young for at least an extra two months. So let's, let's keep that in mind. We would normally have had someone in Congress replacing Don Young and speaking up as our voice. We only have one around June of this year. But because of this ranked choice scenario, the earliest will be sometime in August. This is during the Biden administration, while Biden has issued and launched 22 direct executive actions against the people of Alaska in one year. Who knows how many there's going to be this year? And instead of having someone in Congress there to represent us, we're going to be voiceless and without representation for at least an extra two months, Joe Biden administration. Why? Because Lisa Murkowski's looking out for herself. Now, we are used to the lower 48, and particularly the bureaucrats in the Beltway in D.C., not paying any attention to us here in Alaska, not minding us, keeping us out of the conversation and forgetting about us. But it is particularly offensive when the person who's keeping us voiceless, suppressing us, and leaving us out of the conversation is our senior senator, Lisa Murkowski, because she's more interested in preserving her Murkowski monarchy. Right. Uh, any any uh, any thoughts on the candidates that are up right now to fill Don Young's shoes? Do you have any uh, favorites? Are you I anybody don't. you're watching? You're just kind of watching it. I know. I think I know all of these people, and I think highly of all of them. But we don't even know all the people who are in the race yet. Right. Well, we won't know till Friday. Uh, but things are get, things are about to get interesting, especially with a full mail in ballot for the whole special primary to begin with. 
There's a lot of angst about yeah, that. Yeah, let me change my comment it. on that. I think highly of all the Republican candidates. Okay. Let, me, let me change my comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We'll get that clarification in. Um, all right. Um, we've got about five minutes here. I want to touch on the, uh, obviously, the war and the conflict in Ukraine is having, obviously, global uh, ramifications. The U.S. Is, uh, has, has got to take their share of the blame on part of this. They've been kind of playing the dangle the NATO card with Ukraine for a long time, even though NATO or even though Ukraine was not eligible for NATO uh, membership due to you know other treaties and things that have been signed and everything else. So th- they've got we've got some angst in this for sure. Uh, but you know, of course, the handling of it and everything else. Your thoughts on the foreign policy that led us to this, and uh, you know, where do we go from here? If you were the senator, what would you be advocating? This is a very nuanced and complex topic that takes a lot more than five minutes. So I'll try and summarize it very quickly. What Vladimir Putin has done is absolutely unacceptable. And Joe Biden set the stage for this at the very beginning of his administration when he lifted the sanctions on Nord Stream 2 and put Vladimir Putin in charge of the energy mountain and gave him an iron fist of global dominance over energy by greenlighting Nord Stream 2 and shutting down all energy supply in America. So we were energy sufficient and and um, energy dominant in America. We were fine a year and a half ago. But when he targeted Alaska and all these other states and shut us down and said, we're not going to be energy sufficient anymore, and we're going to bend our knee to Russia and Venezuela and Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia He's the one who set the dominoes for all of this. And make no mistake, the person leading the charge on this energy-annihilating agenda is Deb Holland. And who put Deb Holland in charge with a tie-breaking vote to advance his nomination? The senator from the energy state, Lisa Murkowski. So all of this was set up February 24th, 2021, when Lisa Murkowski said, I'm having misgivings about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that's what got this mama bear off the sofa and said, you know what, I'm going to do something about this myself. So the way to reverse all of this is not to just say, you know, I'm upset and I'm going to go over to Poland and I'm going to say some stupid stuff about sending our troops into a war with Russia, which is what Joe Biden is doing. The way to reverse all of this is to reverse what Deb Holland is doing and put Alaska workers back to work and get our oil and gas industry up and running again so that we can start producing energy here in America and we can reverse the sanctions on Nord Stream 2 need to go back into action and reverse Vladimir Putin's hold on global energy and get America back up and running so that we can start producing and exporting energy again. I mean, and, I, and again, I, I agree that, uh, you know, this is this is at, uh, at Putin's feet for sure. Uh, and it's much easier to shut uh, energy projects off than it is to restart them. And that's part, that's part of the problem here is that it's going to take us a while to get this back up. And as you said, get, becoming energy self-sufficient again is going to be a work, is going to be a mess of work. But it's something that we need to do as a country. Obviously, we could see being dependent on foreign co- countries for the majority of our energy is a mistake. Um, and, uh, and, and and I would, ag- I would agree with that. Um, any comments on some of the different policy moves that have been happening here? You know, no-fly zones, engagement. Should we just be basically bolstering our NATO allies and providing just aid like we're doing now? I don't think we should do anything that puts us into a war with Russia. And it seems like uh, if Biden isn't reading the right note card, we're going to end up in a war with Russia. And instead, there are some really simple things that I mean, there was no way that this was going to happen under the previous president. There are simple economic ways and simple diplomatic ways that we can avoid escalating tensions with Russia. 
Here's another um, really simple way to think about it. I don't understand, and I don't think most Alaskans and Americans understand why we're trying to get involved in peacekeeping operations at Putin's border when we can't even manage our own border. We've got over 2 million illegal encounters at the border last year. We're looking at 2.5 to 3 million illegal encounters at our border this year. And we have reports of Russian and Chinese agents coming in through the Canadian border. Our borders are a mess here. Biden can't handle our border problem. What gives us any confidence he's handling Putin's border problem? Uh. By the way, we all know here, Russia is our border. So Alaska's got a major national security issue that fundamentally comes down to an energy policy issue. Energy policy is the way to resolve this. Kelly Chivaka, kelly4ak.com. Kelly, thanks for coming on board. We appreciate it. Folks, out of time. Kelly, I uh, wanted to give you one final bite at the apple here. Uh, we went to, just went to commercial break, hard break, top of the hour. Uh, so, uh, But I want to give you the final bite, something I didn't cover, anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to specifically hit on. I'll give you a couple minutes here to, uh, to round things out for us here. Michael, I'm just really thankful for the time and the opportunity to talk with the audience. We've got these municipality elections that are up in Anchorage, and we've got really great new candidates. I think that you're absolutely right to be saying it's time for a change. And so let's drive out the vote there. Um, we're going to have a lot of voting this year, but we really need to make our voices known. And this is a team effort. And so I'm thankful for everybody who's listening, who's been part of our team. We definitely need more team help and momentum. You can join us at kelly4ak.com. And we're coming up to the end of our uh, fiscal deadline. Our quarter deadline is March 31st. So if you want to help, even $5 really helps out a lot. We've been traveling across Alaska. We've hit um, more than about 50 communities and connected with them, traveling more miles in state than it takes to circumnavigate the globe. But that's how you mobilize a grassroots effort. And your financial contributions help us do that. So please jump online and help donate. That really helps. And that's, that's part of the reason those poll numbers look so great. So kelly4ak.com and make sure to get out the vote if you're in the municipality of Anchorage and vote for those new candidates so we can have a change there. That's the kind of the two main things that are pressing for this week. Yep. Change the players. That's the number one rule on our charter of changes. You can't get anything different. You can't expect different results if you keep sending the same players back over and over again. So I think you're right. I think it's time for a sea change. I hope that you and I are both correct in predicting that. And uh, I look forward to seeing uh, how things fare for you uh, here in the in the general. I think you said it, where it's a marathon of elections this year. I just don't want people to get tired. You got to vote in June. You got to vote in August twice. You got to vote in the November. You got to vote in October in some of the municipalities. I mean, it's going to be a marathon, but you can't grow weary in well doing. We've got to keep doing the right thing. That's right. I completely agree with you. And if we do it, we will see. We will reap the rewards for years to come. That's what this is about. Yeah, absolutely. Kelly Shibaka, kelly4ak.com. Kelly, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, taking the time with us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Michael. Have a great day. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Kelly Shibaka, uh, our guest here on the program for hour one of the Michael Duke show. All right. Well, uh, I hope that, um, you know, I, I hope that uh, that we, we continue to get some traction here. I mean, it, you know, I think it's pretty easy to see anybody who does any kind of analysis to look at the, you know, the differences and the levels of support for Murkowski versus Shabaka, who's got the support of Alaskans versus who's got the support of the good old boys club, the business as usual club. 
I mean, anybody that Mitch McConnell says, oh, this is the person that I want by my side, definitely the person that's not getting my vote. You know what I mean? Definitely the person who's not getting my vote on that. Um, and uh, when you see that her support is coming all from the business as usual club uh, and the good old boys club, that should tell you something right there. When they are afraid of somebody like Kelly uh, Shabaka, um, there's a reason for it. I mean, and she's got the track record to prove it again with the IG's office and the whistleblower stuff and everything else. She's proven to us already with her track record that she's doing everything she can to demystify the government and to call onto the carpet those who are breaking the rules and uh, and you know taking advantage of it. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what comes down here. I definitely definitely am. Um, all right, Mike Shower is going to be joining us here in just a hot minute. Um, but I do have a line. I have a line on hold. Uh, wow, they've been on hold for over 20 minutes. Let's see who's on the phone, shall we? Just to see who's here, just for giggles. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Solzaka, Alaska, and my name is Donovan Fritz. Hello, Donovan. And I'm on my way. I'm on my way to a rally at the Kenai Courthouse, and we're uh, we're rallying in support of judicial justice in the judicial system. Okay. Uh, we we believe that uh, two felonies have been committed by uh, Judge Green and Attorney General Skidmore in stopping uh, the the grand jury from performing their duties. Okay. And this is a sitting sitting grand jury that's uh, it's in being seated right now, and uh, they have prevented one of the grand jury, well, actually the grand jury foreman from from uh, presenting evidence of corruption in the judicial system, and we believe that. Uh, that they have uh, both committed felonies, and uh, we're going to rally in support of justice for a change in the judicial system. Okay, and so this is happening at the courthouse there in Kenai. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it is. It's going to be going on at seven thirty, and uh, we're we're just thinking that it's about time we stand up and. Uh, and uh, take charge of our our judicial system. We think it's corrupt. Yeah, no, I mean, I think so. And if they're corrupting the grand jury, that's even more troubling. Um, I heard something about this earlier this week, but I don't have all the details. But uh, I've got to go. i got to jump back onto the radio here. So uh, 7.30, Kenai Courthouse, judicial uh, protest uh, there for uh, the grand jury. Thank you for calling in and uh, and letting us know. You can let us know how this goes later on this week. Thank you so much. All right, Mike Shower is on the line with us right now, I believe. Mike, you there? I am. Okay, hold the line. We're going to be right back to you. We're coming back up into it. It is the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, we will uh, we will continue with more here in just a moment. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page, and uh, we will continue right now. Here we go.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. That's where you find us. Also on the TuneIn Radio app, uh, CastBox, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcast, iTunes, the whole thing, and Spotify is where you'll find the podcast every day. Uh, and uh, we're going to uh, we're going to be uploading those shows every morning after the show. So make sure you join in on that. Hour two of the big radio broadcast. We just finished up with Kelly Shabaka who is a candidate for U.S. Senate. Uh, good discussions with her, but it's Wednesday, and that leaves us into Hour 2, where our normal guest comes in to join us, and that would be State Senator Mike Shower for the what we lovingly call the Shower Hour of Power, because, I don't know, poetry. It's one of the things. Not that that's real poetry, but you know what I mean. Uh, so we're going to bring him on board this morning. We're going to get things started, and uh, we'll, we'll do it uh, right now. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, I'm in Juno. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, don't worry. It's only day 73. Only another 123 days left, okay? <laughs> Sorry, that was... Thank you. That Thank was you. It was me being facetious. That was uh, actually very... That was very hurtful. Yes, I know. That just, The pain. The pain, Charlie. The pain. Um, all right. So, uh, good morning and welcome to it. Um, I guess lots of stuff happening, question mark, in Juno. Uh, because, you know, we're not hearing much about, except for, of course, the House came out with their budget, uh, which is uh, $7 billion, um, you know, uh, but of course now they can't talk about it because everybody's got, a, uh, you know, they got their panties in a bunch about whether somebody's wearing a mask or not and everything, which I'm trying to decide if it's a brilliant gamesmanship or just uh, paranoia. Um, and of course, I really haven't heard anything about what's going on in the Senate, although I did hear some interesting things about some of the bills like the tasting room and the tap room bill that's going on right now that's got a lot of people in an uproar. Uh, some lies and deceptions were going on there. Uh, but really, we haven't heard anything else. I guess have you guys? I guess the first question I should ask, let me just make this easy. The first question I should ask is, has our Senate Majority Caucus had a meeting yet at day 72? Nope. Okay. I think that... And that's the show. Thanks so much for listening today, folks. That was pretty much bye bye. Yeah, bye bye, bye bye. Um, yeah, no that that pretty much sums up the entire scenario in one fell swoop. Not a single meeting yet of the Senate Majority Caucus. How's that working out for you, my friend? How's that non-binding, uh, you know, caucus of equals working out for you? Well, um, the non-binding thing is nice for me. At true. Least. I mean, true. Uh, I know it's making it much harder for Senate finance co-chairs who are used to be able or used to being able to tell people how to vote 
and using the old tool of coercion with no problem, but uh, that presents a problem for them when they can't do that anymore. So that certainly is changing the dynamics on the different tricks being used to get their own budget the way they want it. For example, as we have discussed on the program, let's say cutting funding from the MATSU for roads and other safety projects to try to force people to vote a certain way. Goal right. talked about that. So, you know, hey, um, you know, is what it is, right? So we are uh, waiting, apparently, for the House to eventually pass the budget, which they haven't. Uh, And you mentioned because of, you know, another uh, light head cold (laughs) outbreak (laughs) of, of the 69th version of, you know, COVID we're dealing with. So there's that, which... Quite frankly, I've been talking to a few of the members and, you know, like I've seen Rep McCabe and uh, Rep Carpenter in the last couple of days. And they both said, you know, this is a cover um, for the House majority uh, that does not have all of their members there available to them. Right. Because of the COVID masking and they went all to some freaking shoot whatever the heck that was sham jam fundraiser it was the it was the yam sham it was a sham for yams apparently or something yeah it was something and they all went to that party at some club bar thing saloon here over the weekend and super spreader event you know whatever i mean that's a terrible thing right because they used to be so mad if republicans went to anything i'm I'm waiting for all of the press route you know, from the ADN and Juno Empire to, you know, to talk about how bad the Democrats were for going to a super spreader event because we were so terrible and wanted grandma to die when we did, you know, anything right. a year ago. So, you know, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure, Mike, we'll see those articles any minute right. from, you know, the uh, Anchorage Daily News editorial board right. talking about how bad those Democrat staffers were in Democrats. And I'm mm. sure we'll see it I'm any ho- moment. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm holding my breath. I'm holding holding my breath right now. It's going to come out any second. Any second, we'll see them talk about the Democrats and the super spreader event. But, you know, talking to some of the the Republican minority in the House, um, what's really at play, of course, is the Democrats, and of course they'll get the press to help them, are trying to say that, oh, it's the Republicans trying to stall. And I go, let's go, let's go point by point. First of all, the Republicans don't have the majority and they don't control the committees, and they don't control the floor because that's all the House majority controlled by Democrats. So they can do whatever they want. But since a bunch of them have now cowered in fear <laughs> over head cold um, in their offices and getting to work from home and, and hang out in apartments and do whatever they want, um, they don't have the numbers to control the floor votes. So there's enough Democrats with the House Republican minority to actually meet and have a quorum. Right. But the problem, Mike, and this is what it comes down to, this is one of the great lies that nobody will talk about, is that if they met right now, the Democrats would not have control of the floor because there would be more Republicans and they would not be able to stop good amendments to the budget. They wouldn't be able to pass the budget they wanted. They would get their big bloated government budget and a small PFD. Right. That, brother, is what is going on. It has nothing to do with the mask. It has nothing to do with COVID. It has to do with, because of that, there are not enough Democrats to control the floor. So don't buy for one second 
that has anything to do with the Republicans because they don't control it or the flow of business or when they meet or how they do it. That is the House Democrats. Right. Uh, in all fairness, Nat Hurst actually does mention this in his article that uh, that with only 21 members in the chamber and the majority, it's a bare minimum of votes and having members out sick jeopardizes the ability to block hostile amendments from the 18-person Republican minority. Um, and so he does mention it in passing. But what you're saying is essentially this is kind of any port in the storm. If it hadn't been a mask thing with uh, Kirka and Eastman and and Carpenter, it would have been some reason for her to adjourn the meeting uh, overall because, again, they're afraid of that 18-member Republican minority coming in and having the votes maybe all alone or maybe by being able to sway one member out of the uh, – out of the majority to be able to take control of this and and have some amendments go in and stick. And that's really what the problem is. That is exactly what the problem is. It has nothing to do with mass. They would find another reason. It would be, name it, Mike, I don't know. There would be something. There always is. They would find a way to, they would blame David Eastman for, you know, a hostile, I mean, listen to the language. I mean, good on that for at least mentioning it. You know, uh, in his article, <laughs> but the hostile you know, but amendments. I mean, they're not just amendments; they're hostile <laughs> amendments. That's my point. If if the Republicans controlled it and the Democrats had amendments and the same thing was happening, it'd be like, well, the Democrats just want to offer some amendments to the budget. They wouldn't use words like hostile. So, again, it's pretty normal to see the bias coming out. Um, but don't be fooled by what's happening. What's happening right now is a delay tactic to ensure that the Democrats can get their way, uh, the majority of them anyways. Um, Actually, I go back to, I I hate always brushing the entire group because there are some Democrats that, you know, would prefer a higher PFD, whether that's their philosophical viewpoint, whether, you know, it's because it's election year and they're afraid of their chances, whatever it is. I mean, there's been, there's some Democrats in the House who would like to see it too. So I still contend there are more than 20 votes for a statutory PFD, but whether or not the powers that be um, that have too much control, uh, that's that's the question, right, for the House, whether they're even going to allow it to come up or or they're going to shove, shove it down people's throats because they do have a binding caucus. But quite frankly, you know, this gets more tenuous later in the year because who cares about a binding caucus when you're at the end of the two-year session, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's over. Your, your chairmanship doesn't mean anything in the next few weeks. It all shuts down and... There's no more personal bills, and that's pretty much done. So you're going to have a new organization next year after the election anyway. So why would you care about a binding caucus, right? So I don't know. We'll see. Well, it uh, you know it, it, it is interesting. Uh, I would hope that there would be – I know talked to Kevin on Monday, and he said, you know, be looking out for more calls for the full PFD on the floor from the minority – uh, you know, giving the majority a chance to break with each other if they need to, if they feel like they can vote for it. Um, but I mean, it's a hot mess, man. Have you have you had a chance to take a look at what's being proposed so far uh, from the House Finance Committee as far as the budget goes? I mean, again, going from four point five billion dollars in annual spend to just a hair under seven billion dollars, including five hundred and eighty-two million dollars for paying the full tax credits and one point two billion dollars going into forward funding. I mean we can't have dedicated funds in this state, but we can sure designate the hell out of some funds for sure. Uh because that splitting of that hair is not even I mean this is this is crazy. Oh Mike, look, designated funds are dedicated funds. It's just the standard political lie. You can sit there and say 
It's not dedicated. It's designated. It's spelled differently. Therefore, it is not a dedicated fund. Oh, okay, sure. And, of course, the Supreme Court goes, well, you're the lawmakers. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to follow the law. We've clearly established right. that with court precedent. Right, so exactly. Make it easy. Exactly. Right? So, um, yeah, I have been watching it. Uh, I would imagine that the forward funding, I hope, is not going to survive the Senate um, because we went through this battle a couple of years ago with the governor, and that is a nightmare for us. And my question is, again, if you're going to continue to set things apart, like education, so you're telling me that it is more important to forward fund education, but isn't DPS also very important, public safety? What about the Department of Corrections? I mean, Mike, we could go down this list and go look at all these other departments. They're so important. What about health and social services? I mean, obviously, people's health is very important. Maybe we should forward fund that. We should forward fund everything. What's happening, Mike, is this is an election year, and it's called bribery. It's bribery with government money. They're going to bribe people for votes, just like they're going to try to bribe people with some ridiculous concept of an energy rebate deal, right? Oh, we're not going to give you a, if you're a full PFD. We're not even going to give you a 50-50 PFD. We're going to give you an energy rebate, though. Wink, wink. Please vote for me. And, oh, by the way, we're going to take care of those big, powerful teacher unions, you know, that everybody's afraid of, because we're going to forward fund education. So don't worry about, you know, it, Mike, the whole thing is a sham. Talk about a sham jam. The whole freaking thing is a sham jam on how we play this game. So don't tell me that this is all about doing the right thing or anything else. This is all about taking government money, spreading it around, and getting as many people as you can to vote for you because you can use government money to do it. I hope the Senate will shoot that down because we should not be putting any program or department on the pedestal over the others. Every year, every single department should have to come back to us and go, Here's what my budget needs to be, and here's why. And we should have that debate. What you if mean? We're going to go to forward fund education, brother. Then we ought to be doing a two year budget cycle. Period. Right. I mean, shouldn't they Across be? The board. Shouldn't they have to justify every dollar spent every year, just like every other department? Or for some reason, they're special. They're um, you know, they they're the special, super secret, special squirrels. They're special because they have whole thousands of employees and a big union that holds a lot of weight on people's. You know, election chances, Mike, and, and there, it shows the power and control of big unions. I've told you, we've talked about this many times. This state is nearly run by those special interests in big unions. They control the flow of money. They control things that happen in the legislature. They control legislators' futures, right, whether they get elected or not. We've talked about this with, you know, like campaign finance reform and stuff. Look what unions can do compared to others. They give their union members paid time off and paid leave to go out and campaign and knock doors in neighborhoods and hold signs. Paid leave. Right. Well, you know, Republicans don't get that kind of benefit. They collect union dues, whether members want it or not, and spend it on multiple packs for the candidates that they support. They have unlimited money for IEs that they can oppose or support the candidacy. Well, they have all kinds of advantages and power. And everybody just looks at it and shrugs their shoulders like, eh, oh, well, this is what it is, you know. <laughs> All right, well, you're going to tell us how you really feel in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. State Senator Mike Schauer is joining us. It is the Shower Hour of Power. On this Wednesday edition of the Michael Duke Show, we'll be back with more with Senator Shower in just a moment. Don't go anywhere.
We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now. Uh, Senator Schauer is uh, our guest here. Uh, Donna Ardwin's in the chat room. She says, departments are required by law to justify their spending requests annually, but they don't. What? I mean, who's – what? I mean, shouldn't – wait a minute, what? (laughs) Spoken from somebody that was in the battle, Mike. I I know, I know, I know. I mean, so my question is – why aren't we holding them accountable? I mean, if that's I mean, if that's the law, if they're required by law to justify their spending requests annually, what is it just because the legislature said, oh, no, don't worry about it. That's fine. Then it just doesn't have to happen. You know how they justify it, Mike? Here's here's how here's how it plays out. So let's talk about the reality. The committee chairs in both House and the Senate finance will have all of those subcommittees, right? You could have a year like this one where the operating finance co-chair says, not going to have any meetings. And some of the uh, finance members go, I'm not doing that. That's that's ridiculous. Of course we're going to have meetings. But every department will come in and give its prepared briefing and PowerPoints and say how you know, they need this money and this is good and this is what we're doing. And yay us, you know, there goes the rah-rah, you know, with pom-poms. And therefore, they have briefed and justified their spending. There won't get many questions in a year like this one. It just kind of mostly goes right on through. You know, the co-chairs are going to pretty much do whatever they want with the budget anyways, no matter what the subcommittees say. You know, that good old wink-wink bite at the apple. Remember we talked about that? Right, oh, right. You, you get a you know, binding caucus. is fine. Hey, you, you, got, bite yeah, apple, you got so. your bite at the apple in committee. Yeah. You should just shut up and sit down and vote like yeah. we tell you to. Yeah, I mean, don't mention the fact that there's like, you know, you know 12 committees and you're only on, you know, three or four at best. And the rest of the budget, you know, but don't worry about that. We'll take good care of you. Wink, wink, right? That's the process, Mike. So right there, Donna's right. Are they really justifying the spending? Are they really going through an audit and sitting down? No, they're not. But they can legally say it because they go, well, we briefed the budget subcommittees in the House and the Senate Finance, and we gave you all of our documentation. It's all right there. And the legislators go, see, see, we did our job. We, we vetted it. We asked the couple of really tough questions about, you know, how you guys doing this year? <laughs> right. While I do you, do you have enough paper season. clips? Do you, you know, yeah. did your, did your pay, did your, did your copier machine get restocked this year? Okay. You've justified it to us. We're ready and, to go. And yes, I'm being a bit facetious because, you know, the work is done. But my point is to Donna's point is that, you know, that will be the answer for anybody that tried to challenge it and say, well, they're not justifying their budget. They'll say, no, 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 we have the subcommittees, and they come in and brief us, and we ask some questions, and we look at the paperwork, and, and, and we look at all the budget requests they have, and everything's good. That will be the answer. And as far as the system is concerned, that's good enough. Mm. There's your answer. <clears throat> um, I've got to tell you that that answer is not satisfying. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, not that's <laughs> right. So instead of the crystal burger, you need the Big Mac. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. You need the 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 White the, Castle. Yeah, the White Castle. I don't. I've never had White Castle, so I don't know what it is. But I mean, I know what it is, but I've never had it. 
Um, I was just thinking of the McDougals from uh, Coming to America, whatever they call it, the Big Mick. Uh, that's what I need is the Big Mick. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, we're about uh, we're about 60 seconds out. I don't really want to get you wound up again because I'll never be able to jump back to the radio properly. So hold the line for me for just a second. I, I know your ways, Shower. I know how you are. Uh, State Senator Mike Shower is our guest. Um, and, uh, you know, I – we don't have any hard-boiled uh, projects or bills or anything else that we can talk about specifically right now because we're kind of in limbo. We're waiting for everything to come down. There's going to be committee. Uh, excuse me. There's going to be a, a, a hearing on the bill, uh, the spending bill in the Senate, but that's not happened yet. The House is going first. Uh, we'll try and talk with Senator Shower here in just a second about what he thinks is coming out, what he's seeing so far coming out of the Senate Finance Committee. But I'll just uh, here's a sneak peek for you. It ain't going to be good. It's not going to be what we're looking for. It's not going to be for smaller, more limited government. It's not going to be for a full PFD. It's going to be for protect the government spend and throw the private economy under the bus because screw those people. That's what, I mean, I think that, I just put words in his mouth, but I think that just is going to summate what we're looking for. All right, we're going to talk about this and more with Mike Shower up next, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay. All righty. We're ready to do it. It is the Michael Duke Show. And uh, State Senator Mike Shower is our guest for the Wednesday edition of the Shower Hour of Power. Uh, so we were just talking about the House Bill. $7 billion. $7 billion. And not a thing about the regular permanent fund in there. No capital projects or anything else. Oh, but they got that energy relief that it is not has nothing to do with the PFD energy relief check in there. Ivy Sponholz is very clear on that. It has absolutely nothing to do with the PFD. Um, but even with that, between the energy rebate check and the, the energy relief check and the $1,250 dividend that they're proposing, we're still about $1,500 shy of a regular full dividend. Um, I don't know what the Senate is doing. Mike, you've got your ear to the ground there, I'm sure. Uh, what is it going to look like? Uh, what's it going to look like uh, from the Senate side? Well, let me finish one thought before we go into that, and I'll answer that question okay. um, regarding unions. Because if I don't, I continue to get lambasted by the press saying I'm anti-union. Stop the lies. I'm in a union. I've been in a union since I've been an airline pilot. I understand the usefulness of unions. I've had them protect me once when I had management at Delta for a while, try to come after me for living in Alaska. So don't tell me anything about being anti-union. I'm not. But I also understand very clearly, especially at the top, that they are political. They're political monsters. They're all about power, and they will do whatever it takes to get and keep power. So they have unusual advantages over most people because they get to collect money from people whether they want it or not, and then they get to pretty much do whatever they want with that money, including having those seats of power. So that's the problem. It's not unions per se, and it's not union members per se. <coughs> Excuse me. It is what the people at the top do with that power. All right, enough said. So going on to your question about what I think the Senate will do, hopefully, one, we'll strip out forward funding for education. 
so we can do it the right way. We don't need to be doing that and playing this game. We already did this before. It was a big legal battle nightmare. Stop the madness, number one. Um, number two, I'm actually okay with taking some of the money that we have right now that we didn't anticipate having and paying off those credits. You know, that's kind of like, Mike, when you get a bonus or something, it's nice to pay down some of your debt and bills that you have. So that's not necessarily something I would oppose. I just need to see the particulars and how the things balance out. Um, but I am a fan of paying <clears> off <throat> some debt and bills if we can't afford to, and it makes sense. Okay. We're, 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 but we're just uh, side note, we're going to come back and fight about that here in a minute. Go ahead. That, that's fine. Um, I was, oh, good. We finally get to disagree and argue. Ha-ha! Um, and uh, so we'll see what happens with that. The capital budget, I wouldn't be opposed if we plus up some of that because we are behind on many of those things. And again, if we have money available, we didn't anticipate, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to putting more into it, but I haven't seen where that's going to go. And then you talked about uh, the PFD. I still contend that there is more than 21 or at least 21 and 11 in both bodies to pass if not a statutory PFD, doggone close to it. Um, I just see the votes for it. People keep trying to say there aren't, but I got to tell you, when I'm watching the operating co-chair and, and house finance put in a full PFD amendment and finance, I see members that like uh, Rasmussen that's off to the side, not at any caucus, who supports it. You know, you got people like Josiah who support it. And then, of course, you have most, if not all, of the House Republican you know, minority now supporting it. Um, in, in one form or another for whatever reason. So the House is the most contentious one. I think we have the votes in the Senate, pretty sure, for 11-plus for a full PFD this year, knowing where the sit, where we sit on the money scale of how much is available. So the question is, you know, how it will play out between the House and the Senate, of course, and then who's on the conference committee, because that's always really the issue, right? Because you're going to have Stedman and Bishop, and they've never supported a full PFD. So that's going to be an interesting battle because, you know, is he, are they going to follow the will of the Senate and what we vote for, or are they going to go their own way? And that would be interesting to watch. Um, uh, and oh, wait, then, wait, 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 wait. We were assured by the Senate president that they were going to put put the will of the Senate majority ahead, the caucus ahead of their own personal. We were assured by the Senate well, president we also, that that's going to happen. We also were assured, Mike, that our priority bills wouldn't sit, and that hasn't happened either. We were assured of a lot of things. Um, you know, so that uh, I won't, I will use the old Ronald Reagan, what we use the F-22 test world for operational tests is trust but verify, right? <laughs> I'm not sure about the trust piece, but still I'll be verifying those words and we'll see. But that, that will be a key. I think it's very likely the first conference committee will fail um, to achieve balance or an agreement that everyone will agree to, especially if the Senate votes with a larger number percentage-wise for a full PFD or a higher one and the House doesn't concur, and we can't get there in the conference committee, then there may be another one, and that will be more interesting, because who sits on that will probably determine how it plays out. So um, that could be interesting to watch. And, of course, there will be amendments that will come out in both bodies You know, for reducing some of the funding. There won't be the votes probably for that in the House. There might be for some of that in the Senate. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to tell, brother, um, what the numbers are going to be. But a lot of it, regardless of what we do, will come down to the conference committee because they won't be the same. And then you're going to have six people again making the decision for everybody. Uh, and they'll come back and see if they can make any kind of agreement. So we're a few weeks out from that, obviously. But uh, the House won't be taking anything up this week like we had hoped. That'll be next week now. And I think the legislature shuts down this Friday. 
because of everybody, probably, you know, half the legislators are more going back to go to Don Young's funeral in, in Anchorage. So there's right, that. Right. So in the week after that, or a week, two weeks later is Easter weekend, which I think is a Thursday, Friday off or a Friday off. So, you know, there's breaks in there anyway. So it's like, oh, so, you know, it's going to, it's going to be weeks still, man. We're going we're to be right back to the end of April with you. We got to hurry up past the budget. You know, we, <laughs> we had a lot of briefings for the first two months, you know, and, now we got to hurry up and pass it, which is the mo. It seems to always be right, uh, which is pretty normal. So okay, so that's that's my prediction of kind of where we are, um, and what I think may happen. And of course, that last piece of that before we argue about whatever it is you want to argue about um, is the statutory change, the fiscal policy working group. There is a push to try to do pieces or parts of that, but I think as much as I would like to say we could solve it, and I think there is some possibility of some of that. Um, you know, the fiscal policy working group came out together and, and agreed unanimously on these parts that you had to have, as you know, we talked about it before, to get enough people to join the effort to vote for changing the, the current constitutional spending cap. But some taxes went with that. They were tied together, right? So one group that wanted taxes didn't get left behind if there was a spending cap and vice versa. Same thing for the PFD, not putting the formula in, but guaranteeing it and then having the vote of the people and then changing the statutory formula of being tied together if one didn't pass, the other didn't. And we're close on some of those, but I don't think we're going to be able to get enough agreement in the House for sure to do all of those together. And I don't know if we could do the PFD alone because then some people want the taxes. And so I, I don't know. It's it's going to be tough for us to solve this. And I think we're going to go back to what I've said all along. If we fail to do this, the people are going to say to heck with it, and they're going to vote for a constitutional convention because the legislature is just going to keep taking the PFD. It's going to keep growing the budget. It's going to take care of special interests and unions, and and then you know the people are just going to go, well, we don't trust you to do this. And and there's statutory change suggested for a lot of it, but some of us laugh and go, yeah, right, like we're going to follow the statutes, right? Sorry, guys, I just none of us believe that anymore, and that's the fault of the legislature and previous governor for not following the law governors and legislatures. So anyways, there you go. I mean, that's a summary of everything altogether. <clears throat> okay. So you ready to duke this out? Just duke it uh, out. Yeah. Come on, no pun intended. It's, Bring it. Right. Duke it out. Um so this idea that we should pre that we should pay back the uh the credits all at once. Um I find it objectionable and you you talk about winning the lottery or having a windfall or whatever and that's a good time to to uh to uh, retire debt, and in 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 in, 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 um, um, in general, I would agree with that sentiment. But here we have we already have a statutory mechanism for paying this back. At the current rate, <clears throat> current statutory rate, we'll be paying it back in about five years. Overall, um, it's uh, between what is it, seventy five and ninety million dollars a year, roughly, is what we've been paying it back at. Um, yeah, I think the payment should be about 140 a year or something. But yeah, whatever. Something what, like that. Whatever it is, it's going to be just a, just a, within the last within the next five years at the current rate, it would be paid off. Um, you know, essentially we have a zero dollar. You know, we've got a zero percentage. You know, loan. The money is if we're holding on to the money, we're making money with it. You know what I mean? We're earning interest. We're doing something good with that money. Uh, if we take it out and pay it all at once, which we're not required to do statute says you can just pay it off on a yearly basis 
Yeah. You there are other things that you could do with that money, whether that's putting it towards a full PFD, whether it's putting that money into the capital projects, like you said, to take care of deferred maintenance and some other things. I mean, there are things that could be done with that money, and it's not costing us money. The, the lost opportunity cost of using that money in the short term uh, is definitely wasted uh, by paying it all back. Now, great, it would be off. It'd be off the books. It would be out of your hair. It would be off your shoulders. But it's not costing us anything. Uh, if we hold on to it, it costs us again the opportunity costs as well as potential for uh, interest and everything else if we held on to it and used it for other things. Um, and to me, uh, if you if you said that, I said, hey, you could retire fifty thousand dollars of your debt right now, but it's basically interest free, and you're already paying it every year anyway. Um, and you could be using it for other things in the short term to help build your wealth or do what else, and you'll know, take care of your family. I would go the second route. It's a zero. Do- Why wouldn't I do that? Um, well, go ahead. There's pros and cons of both, Mike. Like you said, and that's why I, I use the words very carefully. Of I'm not necessarily opposed to it. Um, that didn't say I necessarily supported it either. It said the details matter, right? So, I know talking to Rep Carpenter, who had looked at it, I believe last year we were discussing those because, uh, and I'll have to get more. I'll have to go back and ask him again and 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 get the details. But it was something like you know it was actually going to save us if we paid it off. And it was a little higher a year or two ago, last time we talked about it, but it was going to save us like $50 million a year to pay it off. And that's not much in the scheme of things, but it was getting it, you know, it's like paying your credit card off, you know, every month at, you know, $25 minimum payment, which takes you 800 years to pay it off. If you had a $20,000 balance or you paid it all off at once and saved the interest, it was something like that, but I'm not going to hang my hat on that. I'll ask him and I'll try to remember to update on you next, next week on that. Okay. That being said, you know, like if you have the money available, here's my point. Right now, there's so much money available right now, Mike, we can do just about all these things. We can pay a statutory PFD. We can pay off some or all of the uh, the oil tax credits. We could do all of these things. We could put some money into the corpus, or we should, as we should, we should put money back into the CBR. We can do all of those things right now because we have so much. And my kind of mindset is before we blow it, and double fund or forward fund everything and come up with a bunch of other programs and put another, you know, four, six, eight, twelve billion like Stedman wanted to do to hide it away in the in the corpus and not let people get any of it. Um, you know, we could do all of these things right now from the numbers I have seen. Now I'm not allowed to be on finance obviously to get every detail, <laughs> but we certainly pay attention. So we could do all of that right now, Mike, and I'm kind of a fan, and this is why I say generally, I'm kind of a fan of doing a lot of these things while we have it, because if we don't, and we just keep it in the coffers here until next year and the oil price drops, you know exactly what we'll do with it. You know what we'll do. We'll waste it or spend it on government programs or do whatever, and then we'll come back next year and tell you, we see, we can't afford the PFD. We can't afford this, but we got to take care of government because, you know, look how you know, we, we missed the paycheck. Well, wait a minute. No, we didn't. Um, our, our programs aren't fully funded. Oh, wait, yes, they are, and they're getting more. But that will be the, the battle, right? Like right now, everybody's stumbling over so much money. They're tripping over it, you know, piles of it sitting around the legislature. So let's do something useful with it. So when the oil price drops next year or the year after, we're not having to fight over some of these things, and it makes it harder for them to justify. No, look, you put money away in the corpus. You, you inflation proof. You put money back in the CPR. You paid off the oil tax credits, um, and so we can absolutely afford that TFD at whatever we've changed, if we've changed it, or what the people demand in a constitutional convention. And the arguments get harder, Mike. The, the more bills and things we have out there, the less inflation proofing, the CBR staying empty, 
it's justification for those that want to spend that money on government and don't want to pay a dividend. So just things to think about, counter-arguments, thoughts. All right. Uh, I'll let you get that last word in for this segment then. We're coming up on the break, and we're going to continue. State Senator Mike Schauer is our guest. One final segment coming up, and we're going to uh, we're going to give him his head here. We're going to let him just him take the reins and talk about whatever it is that he wants to talk about updates or uh, thoughts or meanderings or bacon i don't know whatever he wants to talk about uh that's coming up next the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio don't forget to check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash michael duke show of course on youtube and twitch tv as well and don't forget the podcasts are available every day we'll be back with more and state senator mike shower right after these messages Suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break right now, and uh, Mike Shower is our guest, and uh, we're going to continue with him here right now. Um, uh, so, um, so how's that wisdom teeth extraction looking? That, that's looking pretty good compared to what you're doing right now, right? I know you've, you've been thinking about that the whole time here. Um, it's, yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, so what, uh, I'm sorry, um, what else is happening, Mike? What are you doing in your spare time down there while you're waiting for the caucus to meet and for all the different committees to actually come together and, and get something done. Are you basically in hurry up and wait mode or is your, your committee doing anything with bills right now? Yeah, we're still hearing the bills. Um, you know, they gave, I think I have the most bills of any committee. So, and I only get two days a week to meet, you know, I was telling you about that. I had to laugh because a certain blogger put an article about how my committee was struggling. I'm like struggling. I'm like, I've done more bills than anybody. I've actually done more Democrat bills at this point than anybody else, to be fair. And that's every other committee. And I only get to meet two days a week. You know, finance has done less bills than me by a lot, and they meet five days a week. You know, other committees get to meet three days a week. They've less, they've done less bills. So how how is my committee struggling? You know, it's like that kind of ridiculously biased reporting, right, just to throw a point out. So, right. Um, no, we're still meeting. I still got plenty. Of, there's no way I'm going to get to them all. I can't. I mean, at two days a week, I can do at best maybe three, four bills a day. Uh, you know, when I get to meet for an hour and a half, and sometimes the bill ends up taking like half of that time by itself because of questions, and that's just the way it goes, right? So, there's no way I'm going to get to them all. I've tried to make sure everybody at least gets a, a bill or two because you know I actually like to be fair and try to follow the uniform rules as a peer, as opposed to let's say, oh, I don't know, a representative like uh, Sarah Hannon who says, send the bills to me, you know, send showers bill to me so I can not hear it, which is a violation of the uniform rules, which are actually stronger than statutes, because it's Constitution, uniform rules, and statutes in that order. But, hey, we're not going to say anything about that. That's A-OK. You know, if a Democrat wants to break the rules, <laughs> who am I to judge? I mean, you know, there was the small thing about impugning my motives by saying that I only filed the bill for votes in an election year. But, hey, that's okay too. You know, we can do that. <laughs> but if I'm not going to hear any of their bills, oh my God, you're shutting it down and you're just causing it is terrible. And these bills are very important. Of course, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Mike, 
the left is up in arms about how important campaign finance is. You know, they didn't care one iota about it last year, but now it is a big, big deal. <laughs> better get on that one, right? So right, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Noted. It's funny. They're all Democrat bills, and all of a sudden it's really, really important. I'm like, I wonder why that is. Yeah. Do you perhaps perceive advantage for yourself with that kind of finance reform? I don't know. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of uniform uh, rules and everybody being, treat, being treated fairly, how's that subpoena coming for you for that uh, election report? I have no subpoena. Oh, okay. So I know Senator Natasha von Emhoff has like 11 subpoenas signed off by leadership for the hunt after whatever happened with her friend Angela Rodell and the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation board. No, it's not her friend, board. man. It's not her friend. It's just it's just a work acquaintance. It's just somebody I know from work. They're not a friend. Uh, whatever. We Mike, don't spend any time together, especially not in an opera or a show. We don't do that. We don't you know, we don't talk to each other and say things like, you know, you're the man or you're cool or anything. We don't know any we're just it's just a friend from work. Come on, Mike. Yeah, well, you asked the question, and no, I don't have a subpoena, but she has one and $100,000 to chase after people for this, and I can't get one to solve an issue that's important to most Alaskans for the entire state, which is, you know, the uh, security of our election system, but whatever, man. That just shows, again, like the webs that are woven and how deeply entwined things are, and not necessarily in a good way. So what do you want me to say? That's the way the the system is stacked. Sorry, you didn't hear my sarcasm font on all that stuff. I apologize. I think I did. Yeah. Um, Well, I just wanted, again, I just wanted to point out how your caucus of equals is working out so well. And, uh, you know, the the president, is that that a a term for life there? I mean, is he a president for life? Or, I mean, how long until somebody else can take some reins there and, and make that happen? I'm asking for a friend because. uh, I'm I'm not, I'm not taking your bait. Because there's probably only 60 seconds left, and I'm going to start talking. You're going to say, i got to be quiet. <laughs> 62 seconds till we rejoin the radio right See? now. Yeah, I know. I just, you know, I'm getting you, get, getting you there. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to rejoin the radio now, and uh, Senator Shower is smart enough to not take my bait. He didn't take my fake out, my split S that uh, he's, no, not buying into that. Uh, so we're going to uh, jump back into this here in just a second. Um all right, folks, please like and share this video, like and follow the show page, and um, <clears throat> we will, uh, we'd will we love to hear what you have to say. Uh, send us an email, me at michaeldukeshow.com, me at michaeldukeshow.com, or just sound off in the chat room. We'd love to hear what you have to say there as well. Looking forward to seeing what this next year brings, but we're going to finish up here with State Senator Mike Schauer. Up next, again, going to let him kind of take the reins and talk about well, whatever he wants to talk about. Like and share, like and share, like and follow, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do it. Okay, hey, hi, how are you? Welcome back. One final segment of the show here for Wednesday. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to be, uh, uh, I don't, I'm working on some guests, but I, I guess I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't pre-tease because then, it, you know, inexorably it goes badly because I, 
I thought they were going to show up. So I'm not going to tell you who I'm working on for, but I am working on guests for tomorrow and I'm working on guests for Friday. I will tell you that I'm working on Dr. John Lott uh, to come on the show Friday to talk with us about some firearm stuff. Um, I'm kind of confident that that's going to I feel like I'm semi-confident that that's going to happen. Uh, let me tell you what I'm really confident in. If you have an emergency, if you have an emergency, you know, somewhere out there in the world, whether it's a, you know, a car wreck or, a, you know, earthquake or you're out on the trail, you're hunting, you're fishing, you're hiking, you're biking, you're snow machining, you're flying, you're kayaking, you're paragliding, you're sailing, you're, you're spelunking, whatever it is. Uh, I am very confident that having a bivy stick with you is probably the best thing you can do. It's the best insurance, and it's cheap insurance. $199 gets you this little device called the bivy stick, which connects to your cell phone via Bluetooth. You got a little app for it, and it turns your cell phone into a satellite communications device. So regardless of where you are, as long as you can see that slice of sky, you can send a text message or an email to your friends, family, relatives, contact list, your mayor, your whoever it is that you want to send it to, and tell them, uh, this is where I am and this is what's going on. Uh, you could set it to automatically drop pins for wherever you're going. So if you're traversing or trekking, you're trekking across the wilderness on foot or on, on, on a vehicle of some kind. It will drop a pin on your map every 10 minutes, every 8 minutes, 5 minutes, 2 minutes, whatever. It will tell people where it is that you are and what's happening and where you're going. Um, and it could also be used to check in with your friends and family. Uh, if you're out hunting or whatever and you just push the button, it says, hey, everything's good to go. All things are green. 12 o'clock and all is well. Whatever you want to put in the text message and it drops a pin of your location every time you push it. If you're in an emergency, it's got a little red button. You push it and it says, help me, I've fallen and I can't get up and here's where I am. Plus, it does things like weather forecasts, regular forecasts, aviation forecasts for pilots, marine forecasts for mariners, um, whatever you know, whatever weather you're looking for, it's got it on there. It's got a mapping thing, uh, and it takes care of things like cellular congestion or cell towers going down because of some kind of natural disaster or anything else. Having this bivy stick in your pocket is the best insurance, 199 bucks a month. $14 is the lowest, it's the emergent, what I call the safety plan. And uh, you can use those, if you don't use any of those credits that month, you can roll them over. I got one for my wife, throw in the glove box of her car, just in case something happens, she can just turn it on and and send me a message. or what. And, and it, it lasts for five days on a single charge. So uh, five days of continuous usage, yes, sir, just do it for me. So it doesn't matter if you're a hunter or fisherman or, or snow machiner, doctor, tow truck driver soccer mom, Avon lady, whatever, you need a bivy stick. Contact your local uh, dealer by going to SatelliteWest.com, clicking on bivy, or just go to your local dealer at Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer, Safe and Sound in Wasilla, Anchorage, or Soldatna, Radar Alaska and Kodiak, Communications North and Seward, and Lundy Marine Electronics in Dutch Harbor. Thank you for being a sponsor of the program. That is to bivy stick, B-I-V-Y, bivy stick. Mike Schauer, our guest, final segment, his thoughts on everything that's happening. We give you the floor, my friend. Take it away. Just mm. just wow us. Just do mm. it. Mm. Yeah. Right, yeah. I don't know if I can wow anybody anymore with all this silliness, but I will tell you one that's interesting is over the weekend, I think Friday, the Watchmen, the Alaska Watchmen, put out an article, and it was had some incorrect information in it, 
got picked up by the Gateway Pundit, so it went national. And I got a, not by name, but by committee, an honorable mention. So I've had a whole bunch of angry people calling up and going, how come you're sitting on the bill? And, you know, we're going to hand the election over to the Democrats. I'm like, what? Where'd this come from? I'm getting all this at Sunday, right? And I'm like, what the heck is going on? You know, we're, and so it took me a little bit of time. I figured out, I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. So the way they wrote that article and the impression out there is that for this special election in June, you're going to have, you know, we're not going to do uh, signature verification and it's going to be illegal and going to hand over. I'm like, guys, you might have wanted to call me before you put the article out because we are going to have, and I've asked flat out, governor and lieutenant governor's office, um, are we going to follow the law as it's currently written? And the answer so far has been yes. Remember in November of 2020 for that election, you had one judge, one activist judge off the bench, rewrote our election law and canceled witness signatures. The only thing we had is a cross-check for absentee and mail-out ballots. And right. it was that opinion was only for that election. So we're back to, even though they're going to mail out ballots for this election, because they're saying they will not be ready in time. And as you and I talked last week, that's there's something behind that. It's, it's going to be difficult to be ready for this. But we weren't even going to be ready for August, in my opinion, quite frankly for a statewide jungle primary and ranked choice voting event. But um, for this one, there will be witness signatures required, right? So that hasn't changed. That's the law. And they're telling me they're going to follow it. There is no provision or equipment or training or anything we have for signature verification. Anchorage uses signature verification, but they give some training to people, and then they rely on people to do it, which, as we all know, is not very reliable, right? Because they're not experts. They just get some training and go forth and prosper. Um, so to do the request for proposal and buy the equipment and train people and be ready in the next, you know, 50 days, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not the way the government works. So we could potentially have it by August. I actually have it in the bill that I'm working on, that bipartisan bill. There is the provision to buy and use signature verification equipment for absentee and mail-out ballots that are used. So we're getting there. But when Don Young dies in office, as many of us were afraid he would because he decided to keep running, and the timing is never good, but this was you, you couldn't have had a, a worse time. Right. With a you know um, RCV event coming up, ranked choice voting and jungle primary that we've never used. So now you've got you know two months to scramble and get ready, Mike. It's not going to happen. Right, right. So there's no way to get there from here. In that particular case, <clears throat> the one good thing, perhaps two good things, is that it's just a jungle primary for one race in June. So it's going to be one page with one set of bubbles for the 15 or 20 people that are going to be on it. <clears throat> and you only have to fill one bubble in, right? Because all you get to do for the primary is your favorite person. So you get to pick right. one person, right. whoever that is, you fill out that bubble, and you give them, you, you turn it in. That's it. So right. at least this one will be simple compared to the actual jungle primary and, and ranked choice voting event in August. And that's going to be a nightmare, <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. So Yeah, no, and, and again, to clarify here, you're talking, there's two different things. There's the witness signature, and then there's signature verification. Witness right. signature is going to appear on these ballots. There's going That's to have correct. to be a witness signature. But the, the but the verification, there's no provision in state law for verifying the witness signature. That's what they were talking about. That's um, correct, and we've never done that, but they're conflating them. And we know it's important, so we're proposing it, and we're going to have to spend money on it. But 
until we get the bill passed, sign into law, they go through the RFP and do all the stuff you have to do. Well, that's not going to be available. Well, nobody knew we were going to have to do this in June, right? Right. So we were thinking, oh, yeah, we'll get the bill passed hopefully here in the next month. We'll get you know governor to sign into law. Then we'll have a few months to do RFPs, get everything up in train. Maybe we'll be ready by August, if not November, right? But that's the best we can do on the timelines we work on. I can't. Mike, it's government. Come on, man. Yeah, exactly. um, We're not going to move that fast. There's no way to be ready in that amount of time. It's like expecting Um, the Titanic to turn like a Ferrari. It's just not going to happen. Right. And then the other part was they talked about, well, you know, like I'm sitting, my committee is sitting on Senate Bill 167, which is the governor's election bill. Didn't bother to call and ask. That election bill, Mike, has all the stuff that I had in SB 39, right? And SB 39 wasn't going to move. I've talked about House members like Harriet Drummond that were in the press in Anchorage saying his bill's dead on arrival. That's the stuff that Mike's bill has. They actually said that they got it wrong because they said the lieutenant governor filed a bill, which he can't do. The governor files bills, but whatever. Uh, A technicality. And I'm not sitting on the bill. We're working with the governor on things that we might put into it or how that bill might be used because if he's the, the reason that bill's sitting because he has a companion bill in the house that will never move. Right. Because it had my bill. And remember, that was the uh, that was the racist bill, right? That was trying to suppress the vote. <laughs> All right. So All right. it's not going to sit, brother. It's, it's There's nothing you can do with that bill. So anyways, it was just funny. People need to hear the truth. It's doing the best they can. We're watching it. If we think there's something illegal, we'll call it out. But as far as I can tell right now, they're doing the best they can within the constraints. And trust, none of this is going to be good. Trust but, but verify. Trust but verify. All right. Mike Shower, our guest. Thank you, my friend. Folks, be kind. Love one another. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Man, vaccinated with a phonograph needle. Just wind you up and watch you go. Uh <laughs> All right. You could do this for hours. I know. I know. I know you can. That's the thing. It's impressive. Uh, For a radio guy, that's impressive to watch. All right. um, Final thoughts. I give you the last, I don't know, I'd say two minutes, but that really won't matter. I give you the floor here for the last couple minutes to uh, sound off to people to tell everybody what we should be doing. What should we be doing? How should we be helping? What do we need to do? Uh, you still need to call. You still need to testify if there's a bill coming up on the finance floor or, um, you know, whatever. They are relying on you to be um, beaten down and give up. Um, and then they take that as, oh, we can do whatever we want. So you should still be calling in if you're angry. If you don't like this bill or that bill, the budget, call in, testify, folks, because when you don't, I know you don't think it matters, but that just gives them all the justification they to see. People don't care about the PFD anymore. They don't care about the budget. They don't call in. Well, yeah, you're all working, but whatever. Um, One last very important thing to mention, and Michelle was reminding me, is that uh, we, you know, there's the vote coming up in Anchorage here in a couple days. Go vote because your your city is controlled by nine far now probably ten since they created an extra district for themselves. Ten far left activists. So. If you want to ever take Anchorage back and have reasonable policies, go vote. Take a friend with you. Um, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just telling you there is a you know election coming up in the fifth of April, final day. So you know if you don't like the direction Anchorage is going, get off the bench and go vote and take some people with you. So I I can't say anything more important in the next week than that to uh, get people out and vote and hopefully uh, you know look at some positive change for Anchorage. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you calling, my friend. That uh, is good. Somebody in Twitch just said, "Please stop saying centrist Democrats are far left activists." Well, I mean, I guess if the folks on the Anchorage Assembly are 
centrist Democrats. Ow. I mean, that that, that doesn't speak. Who that de- is saying that they are centrist Democrats? They are freaking <laughs> far left. Most, I Not all of them, but most no, of them. A big chunk of them are far left, for sure. Um, uh, you got to understand. Maybe you got to understand the local uh, politics here. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, and, and we'll see that swing further left unless the Save Anchorage and a lot of the other folks who got Bronson elected can get out there and motivate their base and, and get some of these people uh, swapped out here. Um, so, yeah. Interest Democrats. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I got some beachfront property in Arizona, Mike. Want yes, I do. Trusting. Beachfront property in Arizona. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, um, all right, my friend. Well, thank you for coming on board. As always, it's a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, uh, we will, I guess, see you next week. Are you tired of your clothes yet? Are you just sick of your clothes? I mean, Me? yeah. Have they just. Nah, that's what jeans are for. <laughs> So, you can wear so, them forever. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I figured you'd just be like your your fellow senator, just sick of these clothes. I just can't, can't wait to go well, hit a Nordstrom. I, I can only afford one or two pairs of things. I don't have an unlimited clothing budget, so there's that. <laughs> it's called a washing machine. You may want to look into it, <laughs> or maybe, maybe your stuff's sure all, enough. maybe your stuff's all dry clean. I don't know. I <laughs> just. <laughs> All right, my friend. Uh, I will see you. Uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks. All right. You guys take care. All right, folks. Uh, we're out of time. All kidding aside, uh, that's it for us. So thank you for coming on board and joining us. We will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.